0: often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra.
1: Welcome everyone to Generation Regeneration Holistic Radio. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host and publisher of Regenerate Magazine that you can check out at regeneratemagazine.com. Thank you so much for joining us, whether it's live or on demand. We love you, our listeners. I want to support you and everyone who embraced the notion that although you may be members by birth of the baby boom generation or Gen X or Gen Y, you can choose to be members of Generation Regeneration or Gen R by the daily choices you make to regenerate your body, mind, spirit, lifestyle, and career. And speaking of career, as many of you know, we've added a new feature this year which focuses on career growth. The first show of each month is dedicated to the Abundance Cubed Group Coaching Program for Wellness Entrepreneurs. My co-host today, Noam Kostuki, is a successful business coach, creator of Masterpieces, and my collaborator for this program. You can learn more about him at arthaveamagicallife.com. Welcome back, Noam. It's always fabulous having you here. Hey, Sandra. <laughs> Our guest today is leadership coach and speaker John P. Morgan. JP's vision is a more connected and loving world, and he helps to create this by challenging leaders to discover a whole worldview and to embody a radically deep personal integrity. This work became his profession in 2009, and he supported numerous leaders to grow their organization by growing themselves. He's been invited to share his ideas on human connection on the TEDx stage and on creating a borderless world at a private event attended by billionaires, to name a few. Previous to his current work, he built a web company serving nonprofits. And to this day, he's engaged in an often obsessive pursuit of knowledge and experience in the art of science of being human. And you can learn more about him at jpmorganjr.com. Welcome to the show, JP.
2: Thank you so much, Sandra.
1: Now, what's fun about today's show is that we have two coaches with us today, and Noam is JP's client, so we're going to have someone who is a coach and a coachee, so we're going to get into that fun topic later. But for now, JP, let's talk about your background and what prepared you to become an an insightful and successful coach. What I learned from working with Noam is that often it's life experience that prepares one to be a successful coach. Was that the case for you, and if so, why is that?
2: Uh, I, don't, I don't know if, it, if I can even say that it prepared me. Um, I let the people that I'm spending time with kind of decide whether I'm prepared <laughs> or not to support them, but, but, but it certainly led me to where I am. Um, I, I did lots of different things, one of them being uh, starting a business from a backpack, traveling the world for many years, and, and this was before it was the hip thing to do, the nomadic lifestyle, and so people were often asking me for support uh, and h- how to do that themselves. I think through through doing lots of different stuff and having experiences, for some people, I was an example um, of, of things that they would want to do. And it kind of organically emerged that I was supporting and mentoring people um, quite long before I even realized it was a profession. So in that way, it did prepare me, sure.
1: Interesting. So yeah, in, in the web company that you built that served nonprofits, yes, you traveled mm-hmm. the world and you lived nomadically for three years, as you mentioned. And this three years must have been full of a lot of experiences and adventures. So yeah. how, how important do you think it is for coaches to get out and experience life like this to help guide them?
2: Well, I want to be careful not to put a blanket um, label on, like, what all coaches need to do to be an effective coach. There's lots of different ways of coaching. Um, yeah. You know, if you're – so but my particular way of coaching, which is to bring – a wider perspective, to be able to think systemically, to be able to see integral solutions. Um, what i what I personally bring to leadership as a coach, I definitely think travel and experience is, a, is, is an important piece. The more different experiences you have, the more you you're able to see the world in different ways, and the more you're able to see how you see the world. Um, the more times you go into new experiences, the more you realize the experience you're having as a result of your own expectations and assumptions. And the more you develop a a kind of meta awareness to your own way of seeing, um, and for me, that the way again the way that I coach, that's a really important aspect of it. So it's pretty fundamental, I would say.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting how you said it happened organically for you. So it seems as a result of your life experience, this profession took root for you. And so I, I definitely appreciate what you're saying about there's no one size fits all for coaches. Um, yeah, some absolutely. may have the experience that you had and others may find their path a little bit different. So yeah, in- interesting. Yeah. So what would you say were the pivotal experiences that you had during your travels, or were there several, or were there one that really stick out in your mind?
2: Yeah, there's one that sticks out in my mind, I'll, I'll, I'll often share it, um, because it really connected me to the, the larger purpose of my work, and it was um, when I was in Cairo, um, we'd met a family who uh, lived in the slums, a local family, and uh, they took us out on a, on a rickety sailboat on Easter Sunday. At my, uh, my time, I was dating a German girl, my girlfriend there, and uh, she spoke Arabic. I didn't, and we spent the day with them, and um, they did the most they could for us with the little money they had, and it was really beautiful, and we had uh, dinner at their house in the evening, and, and when they brought the food out, we're all sitting around trying to communicate, and trying to communicate what it meant to be vegetarian, which didn't really work too well, um, and one of the young girls, I think she was about 15 or so, was just like staring at me with these big brown eyes, and, uh, and then she said something, and the whole room fell silent, and I didn't know what she said, because it was in Arabic, uh, my girlfriend kind of was like bug-eyed, and then she. I said, "What did she <laughs> say?" And she said, um, "Well, she said if he's an American, um, how can he be so nice?" And and then she asked me why she said that. She said, "You know, because Americans are bad people." Our our teacher told us that, um, and so obviously that kind of woke me up to not only in travel being important for my sake and, and my own growth and development, but it's important for the sake of the world and. You know, and I had the opportunity to change her perspective and to give her a reference experience that was counter to uh, an idea that that isn't serving the world uh, was important to me and and, the, and also really on a, a more abstract level, it showed me the importance of human connection and how actual real human connection is um, is the thing that's going to actually create the most understanding and, and, and peace in the world and so Uh, My work with leaders is is, is about their effectiveness and their growth in the organization, but it's also about creating culture and society and in the world uh, that connects people on a really authentic level. So, um, that was pivotal for me in, in connecting me to a deeper purpose in my work.
1: Wow. And so, you're talking about connection here and your work with business leaders. So, do you find that you work with them to just connect more with the people in their organization so that they seem more authentic and caring and can get people to, well, not get people, but instill a sense of loyalty in them. Is that, is that part of what you do?
2: I would say it's a, it's a a nice um, bonus outcome. Um, Our Mm -hmm. focus is around connection in it and in all its senses, connecting with your deepest truth of who you are, um, connecting with uh, everybody that you're uh, in a way of service in a way of love and openness, um, vulnerability and, um, a lot of great things come from that, loyalty and trust being one of them. Um, you know, you're know, you able to inspire people. You're able to garner people's support around their common vision, um, all great things. And that stuff is the immediate, like, primary, kind of obvious, direct result, which is great. But I'm actually most inspired by the indirect result, i.e., who the people in your organization start to be in the world because of who you're being. Kind of like Gandhi, be the change you wish to see. Yeah. in your organization, and that organization is the change we wish to see in the world. So it's that kind of secondary game that I'm actually most inspired by.
1: Interesting. Okay, so, Noam, if you'd like to join us for a moment, what would you mm-hmm. say your perspective is in terms of life experience versus education in a more traditional setting to prepare people for coaching?
3: Mm. Uh, I... I, I I connect with what John said about different types of coaches, and I find that it's a question of style and coherence. Mm. And so I would almost say the other way around, that what's important is to connect the type of coaching you do to the life experience you've had. Oh. Um, and so the same way as a lot of what John does is connected to that story uh, in uh, in Cairo, I've got, a similar, I've got a story uh, of what happened to me in Turkey when I was helping organize uh, a large international conference that was as revealing as to my type of coaching, uh, which is that I saw two girls um, prepare, who were assigned duty to prepare rice um, for one of the evenings, and one was Japanese, one was Turkish. And so one was going to make her rice sticky, the other one was trying to make it loose, and they had a whole argument as to what was right. And both of them would say, well, but no, like the rice you make it, we just throw that away. That's bad rice. Um, and I thought that was really interesting to see how it was so different. Um, and yet being able to integrate the two and being able to do the two and to accept that the two of them were both good in different ways and different styles, um, that's something that I ended up doing a lot in, in my coaching work. Um, so I think that yeah our life experiences shape the way we do coaching a lot more than the other way around maybe
1: uh, um, okay. and I'm
3: seeing the same with Parole. Yeah. you know she set out to do nutrition she wrote a book the book became a bestseller. people started reaching to her for um, helping uh, make books more successful and now she's finding herself being a business coach
1: Right. That's right. Perhaps an unexpected turn of events for her. But again, it's happening very organically. And so it's interesting the points you're making, because I'm sure there is many different types of coaches out there based on their experience, as there are who people who could benefit from that experience, because everything, everybody is coming at things from a different angle. And so thank you both very much for this description. I'm sure this is very valuable for folks who are in the coaching profession or are thinking about it so on that note let's get ready to go to our break but before I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's show and although we're not discussing food on Gen R Radio today we do believe that food is medicine and the basis of good health and cultured dairy is an important part of gut healing and immune health learn how to make your own yogurt kefir and cream fresh at home with Monica Corrado's new ebook on culturing dairy part two of the series on cooking techniques for the gut and psychology syndrome diet this ebook is available at Celine Riverpress That's S-E-L-E-N-E, RiverPress.com. Now it's time to go to that break. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with my co-host, Noam Kastouki, and our guest, leadership coach and speaker, J.P. Morgan. Stay close, and we'll see you in a jiffy with more cool stuff about J.P.'s coaching approach.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn more.
4: Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on GenR Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Malhotra and creator of Masterpieces, Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with co-host Noam Kasuki and our guest, leadership coach and speaker, J.P. Morgan. And in the last segment, Noam and J.P. introduced us to how life experiences shape the approach that a coach Will take in working with our clients. It was very interesting. And now, JP, let's talk in particular about the coaching methodology that you developed as a result of these experiences and that you use with your clients. On your website, you mentioned that our mission is to close the gap between who you be and who you really are. Can you explain what you mean by that?
2: Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> who we be, I would say, is The sum total of all of our conscious and unconscious doings, so our behaviors, our actions, the words we speak, uh, our nonverbal communication, so much of it um, is is unconscious, but everything that we do moment by moment, that's who we be. Um, A lot of that is, uh, some of it's conscious, it's through our conscious intention and our choices, and some of it's through habit. Through, um, through habits that we've had since a young age. Some of it's through um, fear. Uh, we do it because we're avoiding something or, or whatever. Um, and then the who we are is our, our deepest sense of what's most true for us, what we would most love, um, our deepest values. And, um, and often there'll be some alignment, and usually there's some alignment between who we be and who we are, but there's also pretty much always some level of misalignment and, and dissonance between those two things. And so that misalignment, that dissonance is what I call the gap. And um, so I'm constantly, and my philosophy is that, my principle is that as we close that gap, as we become more coherent, more aligned uh, in, our, in our doings, in our being, um, with, with our unconscious um, and, and conscious total truth, who we are, then the more powerful we are, the more impactful we are, the more we move people, we move the world. And, and then the more what we create in the world is a reflection of our true essence. Therefore, it's more fulfilling for us. It's more unique. And, and I believe it more serves the world. And so the work is really around looking for where where is that gap in every situation and in, in the work that you're doing and your relationships and your health, uh, everything. Um, because the more we close it in every area, the more impact you have in every area.
1: Uh, agreed. And you also mentioned on your website that you do this close the gap. Through something you call alchemy why do you call it that what do you mean by alchemy:
2: Well it's an ancient metaphor um, I think that actually the, the idea of alchemy was shared for many many thousands hundreds of years whatever for uh, to actually teach philosoph- philosophical principles around uh, manifesting and creating uh, but in, I also uh, Carl Jung used the term the, the alchemy metaphor a lot um, but really that's just the basics of alchemy are you have kind of three components you have the containment the ingredients that go inside the container, and the heat. you put the right ingredients in and you have a strong enough container that can withstand the, the, the heat and the pressure, then you add that heat, then you have transformation. You can turn lead into gold. And so in that way, with my coaching, um, I create a really strong relationship, really powerful agreements, a really big and serious investment for people. Um, when I'm in a relationship with somebody, it's, it's a big deal. It's a part of my life. The photo goes up on my desk and, and they're with me um, for the, whatever long time we're working together um and and then there's the ingredients, the topic, the stuff we bring into the conversation, the questions we ask that bring up really you know important discussion, talking about the gap, and the heat, and this is the important part, is the willingness to really challenge people, the willingness to ask confronting questions, uncomfortable questions, um, uncomfortable for me to ask often, um, and that tension that the awkward the awkwardness, the discomfort mm-hmm. of those confronting questions. That heat combined with that containment and those ingredients is, is what I believe creates a transformation.
1: Mm. And so when you mention closing the gap between who you be and who you really are, is a lot of that gap because of fear? Like you mentioned, do you find that that's the, one of the major things that keeps yeah. people from being all they can be?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, it's not always conscious. Most of the time it's not. Right. But, um, typically it is. And that's the place we're usually working, and there's much more heat when you're talking about those things as well. Um, I was just uh, having a conversation with a woman today, who is looking at going back into economic development work after spending some years uh, helping people to write books, and um, and her fear is, oh, "What if they don't take me seriously?" Because I've been for seven years, I've been outside of that industry and doing mm. this book writing thing, and you know, it took us a while to even find that fear, and then it's really about you know finding another way of seeing it and another way of experiencing it, so that. You can just be in your, tr- in her, she could be in her truth, which is that she wants to do this, her desire to do that, her calling to do that, that's who she really is. Her fear yeah. and her operating from her fear or, or not, not taking action because she's afraid is who she's being. So as we get her into action, because she can see why she's being that way, um, she starts to become more of who she is. She is more impactful. She's creating uh, from what she loves.
1: Yeah. OK, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, focusing on the fear aspect and how you said that you can get into some uncomfortable conversations, because I know from my own experience that facing your fears can be uncomfortable. Uh, you have them and you learn how to work around them or avoid them. And then when you have someone who wants you to confront them and overcome them, well, that could be a little uncomfortable. <laughs>
2: Exactly. Right.
1: Uh, but necessary, uh, as you say, to transcend those to reach a higher level with everything that you're doing personally and professionally. So, yeah. that, that gets to another point that you make on your website that your job is to serve your client and not to please them. So, is mm-hmm. that because you ask them to confront things that are difficult to confront?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean anybody who's a parent will know that like sometimes the thing that's best for your child will really please them. Um, you can see that. and not that you know what's best for somebody, uh, one adult to another as a coach, but but you have an you have an agreement, an explicit agreement I have with my clients that when I see a place to challenge you, to push you, um, and, and my sense is that it will serve you, I'm going to act on that. Ultimately, they're going to decide what the right choice is for them, but they're giving me that permission to do things even if it makes them uncomfortable, to say things even if it makes them uncomfortable because they know on the other side of that most often is their opportunity for growth. Um, And, hey, it's not easy. Part of me saying that on my website really is to remind myself that that's my job, that I have to be willing to, to move into that uncomfortable place to serve people.
1: And so how, to, okay, so that's an interesting point. How difficult is it for you to do that? Because you know you're making someone uncomfortable. You know it's for their, for their higher purpose, but you still have to do it. So do you, do you find that it's gotten more comfortable for you to do that? Or how does that work for you?
2: Um, it's, sometimes it, it depends on what it is. I mean, and yeah. whenever it's uncomfortable, it's my own stuff. Right, so every mm-hmm. opportunity to challenge somebody when it's uncomfortable for me is, and I can remember we had this agreement, so I can't really say it's it would be rude or socially awkward because this is why they're here. So yeah. having that agreement helps to give me the courage to do it um, and reminds me of my responsibility to do it, which is great. Um, but also, it's remembering that anytime I'm uncomfortable, like what is it that I'm afraid of? What is it that I'm mm-hmm. worried? And and sometimes the, the access point for me is just to share with them my own concern or fear about saying the thing that I'm holding myself from saying. Once that's on the table, like, uh, I want to challenge you at this right now, but at the same time, I'm a little bit concerned. I remember when I was working with Nome, that there was um, – we had a particular arrangement of uh, including revenue share as well as the client fee, and there was um, a vision that he had uh, that was to, to create something in Costa Rica, which maybe he's mentioned his, uh, his, his project in Costa Rica – um, which would probably take our work in a new direction. And and it wasn't really so much a fear, but there was something going on inside me, which was if I serve him and support him and bring his vision into this current uh, reality and taking action on it, as I know he's, he's capable of doing, it's going to shift the direction of the coaching and it's going to probably inadvertently affect the revenue share that I end up getting. Um, but my commitment here is to my client and to his truth. And so... Mm-hmm the way of me getting to that was just to tell Noam what was on my mind and how I was feeling just to get really vulnerable and open and then all of the awkwardness and the indecision goes away by itself because it's all out on the table and that's usually the path that I choose is just to, just to vomit it all out whatever's going on just get it out <laughs> and be open and then on that point it's just so much easier to move forward
1: yeah so just get it out there okay Noam what's your perspective on this serving versus pleasing clients <laughs>
3: Uh, actually, this is a concept I learned from John, um, the <laughs> okay. I learned from him. It's like it's something that obviously we all do and I was doing before, but in the wrong order and with the wrong people mm-hmm. and not knowing when it was all right to do it uh, because I didn't know the distinction between the two. Um, I think that the, the one time that I really served someone Without uh, pleasing uh, that changed my perspective it was definitely a turning point it was I always remember it was uh, I was in New York at a pitch uh evening where startups were talking pitching their their companies for investment i wasn 't one of the coaches there, so I was just there uh, to to see and I spoke with one of the entrepreneurs and he was super charismatic he was so powerful and I was just in there um, and then he went to go and do his pitch, and I thought this guy's going to do great and suddenly on in front of everybody in front of the stage, he was just crumbling oh. he, he was uncharismatic the exact opposite of the person I just spoke with minutes before, and yeah. so when he he came out and you know everyone was talking, he was in a group of people, and I went to him and I asked him really out of curiosity, look, I got a question that may sound rude and obnoxious. Do you mind if I ask you? And he said, no, of course, no problem. So I said, why did your pitch suck so much? (laughs) And um, as I said it, I realized it didn't come out as nicely as I thought I was going to say it. And um, everyone went silent around and looked at us, and there was this moment of tension that John talked about. Yeah. And the guy looked at me and he was like, uh, What What do you mean? Which parts? <laughs> I was caught off guard, so I had to think about it. And it took a few seconds, and I thought, and I was like, Geez, pretty much the whole thing. <laughs> and at that moment, you could feel the tension getting deeper and like, ah, And the guy suddenly, you could feel, see like a, his shoulders just went down. You could see the pressure lifted from his shoulders, and he said, well, I hate speaking in public. I'm great at sales one-on-one, but I hate public speaking. And you could see in his face, suddenly there was a release. There was like a calm, a peace. There was, you know, the ability for him to say that. And to that, I could respond, well, in that case, you know, either find someone else to do the pitches and you focus on the sales or find a coach to work with you on the public speaking. And he ended up taking the first route, Uh, but what was great for me was that he said thank you afterwards, and I was like, wow. I was like, the moment I said it, I felt so bad. I was like, shit, I can't believe I said that so loud. (laughs) Um, But the guy was like, thank you so much. You know, like that—that's exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah, I'm not. I don't like this. We've got someone else who can do it.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So confronting it, figuring out a solution and moving on in a better way instead of just continuing on giving awful pitches. So, okay. Yeah. Really interesting examples. Both of you. Thank you. And now let's get ready to go to our break. But before we do it, let me thank our sponsor. Are you familiar with the gut and psychology syndrome nutritional protocol? Get the book that Dr. Nakasha Natasha Campbell McBride says everyone needs. Monica Carrado's ebook, Meat Stock and Bone Broth: Cooking Techniques for the Gut and Psychology Syndrome Diet. This book is available at CelineRiverPress.com. Now let's get ready for that break. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Mahotra, and I'm here with co-host Noam Kastuki and our guest, leadership coach and speaker, JP Morgan. Stay tuned and we'll see you on the flip side.
4: Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Maholtra and creator of Masterpieces, Noam Kostuki, are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You, too, can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion.
0: GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified. And we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non Project.org forward slash learn more.
4: Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G Malhotra hashtag we are genr. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
1: And welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with co-host Noam Kastugi and our guest, leadership coach and speaker, J.P. Morgan. In the last segment, J.P. explained the methodology he uses to close the gap between who his clients be and who they are, and how quite frequently it could be fear that's in that gap keeping the person from being the best they can be and so now gnome let's get kind of to the fun part to talk about how this works in practice so you are a client of jps so how has this process worked for you traversing from who you be to who you are what form did that take what did you have to work on
3: Uh, Okay, Uh, I don't know uh, necessarily how to answer the question, except that there's definitely been a few major changes. Um, One of them, actually the very first one, was when John told me that, he was like, you're a coach. And I was like, no, what are you talking about? I'm not a coach. I I also coach people as part of what I do, but that's not what I do. And um, yeah, he insisted on that until eventually clients started to arrive. And I was kind of faced with the fact that, damn, people actually want to pay me for coaching. Um, (laughs) I'm a coach. So that's when I actually really sort of got back to him and said, "Like, you know what? Actually, you were right. (laughs) People want me to do this." Um, So what was it that
1: uh, kept you? I'm sorry, no. What was it that kept you from accepting that you were a coach? What was it? Was it like doubt in yourself?
3: Um, I guess I just didn't see. Again, I, my, my view of coaching was the one that probably most people have, which is someone who, uh, the, you know, I didn't want to be coached by someone who just left a company and just doesn't know anything about life and just says that they, they can solve problems and they don't really do anything. All they do is have conversations. They don't actually do stuff. You know, and I was like, how you can't really get paid for that and how can you justify the value of just chatting with people? (laughs) I was like, you know, I do that also and it's a fun part of the work. It's a fun part of the work, but I'm paid for delivering a website, I'm paid for delivering a strategy, I'm paid for actually doing work. And so I kept having that thought that conversations wasn't work and talking with people wasn't work. Ooh, you know, okay. I, I couldn't be paid for that. Mm-hmm. All right. really big, the first big brick wall was that.
1: Yes. Uh,
3: and then since then, it's just been uh, getting out of my way. Really, I think that uh, I'm still on that path of, uh, on that journey of closing that gap um, of always sort of getting more true to what I do and talk less about what I think my clients want, which is what I think they want is, you know, business coaching and talking about money and this and all serious stuff. And that actually, what they want is to work with me on their stuff, on the stuff that I do best. And And so it's always a great reminder for me to be more fearless. And that whole process, you know, I think I told the story in one of the episodes about how I stopped wearing T-shirts during my coaching calls. Yes, yes. It's kind of a small, tiny thing, but that was a huge gap for me um, of appearance. And so, yeah, um, and I'm still doing that now again with my uh, fundraising project and building uh, my masterpiece here in Costa Rica. John's still helping me to go through that thing again and again and sometimes frustrating because it's like, gosh, I thought I finally figured that out. I thought I closed that gap. And then you realize there's still a gap. (laughs) <laughs> it's never, but it's still there. And now it feels really big because, well, now that's the biggest gap that's left. Um, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's like peeling back layers of an onion, it sounds like. And once you take care of one gap, there may be more gaps, smaller or larger, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like we talk about um, with the entrepreneurs and Abundance Cube, it's a continuous process. Would you agree yeah. with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, how has it been for you as a coach? receiving coaching, right? Because you're supposed to be the guy who has answers for others. So how has it been for you to open yourself up to being coached?
3: Well, at first, uh, it was awkward because of the idea of paying for coaching, which um, is very ironic now that I'm paid to coach. But that was really... The awkward thing, I was like, I can get advice from so many people. I've got so many amazing mentors. Um, I've got people who've run huge businesses who I can give a call and they'll speak to me. You know, why, why do I need a coach? Um, but once I started working with it, it was amazing. I mean, it completely changed my perspective because suddenly I was like, wait, I'm getting what I wanted. And you know how we often say, you know, people uh, give to others what they want and that psychologists become psychologists because actually they have problems they want to solve and all of that? Yes. Well, that was definitely the case. Um, and then while being coached, the more I got coached, the more I was like, wait a second, this is this works. And I know I send that to John uh, once in a while where I sent him an email. I'm like, you know what? This whole coaching thing works. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it actually works. Like… Everything you're doing with me actually work. and I know it. But experiencing it is, I find exhilarating because it reminds me of what I do when I'm on the other side, um, mm. and that it's amazing when you have a conversation with someone, and then the next day or a couple of hours later, everything starts changing, and and you can see the result of that conversation, you know, in in real. Um. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs>
1: You're loving it. Okay. So JP, how do you work differently with other coaches as opposed to other clients? Is your approach different?
2: I used to think that it was, but it's becoming less and less. And I used to think that it was in the sense where I bring some mentoring, I would call it, where I'm sharing a little bit more of my experience because um I do similar work. Um. But the longer I do it, I mean, I've got a group of apprentices that I work with from, from year to year, and the longer I do that, the more it just kind of becomes the same work that I do with my other clients. It's just <clears throat> less and less about the external and more about the, the internal. Um, and, I'm, you know, we're all, we're all human. We're all the same. So, um, yeah, I, I can't say that there's that much of a difference anymore, I, I, except for the fact that I can share stories or share experiences that I've had. and And I'm also also really conscious of not trying to get everybody to coach the way that I coach too and so the more the the better I become at really helping people to be who they are the less relevant it is that I'm a coach and they're a coach that makes sense
1: totally yes because their unique way right exactly yeah it's like um no coaches are abundance cube entrepreneurs he he helps them create their own masterpiece. So basically what you're helping everyone do coach or not is to create their own masterpiece. Yeah. So very good point. Very good point. So what's your situation with being coached? Have you been coached in the past and do you have a coach now? I have. I have.
2: I've been coached by many coaches. Um, First coach I ever had was Jarek Robbins. Um, I was like, Maybe six, uh, something years ago now. Um, and Judy Mae Murphy, um, both very different types of coaches from, um, what I do now, but fantastic at what they do. Um, one of the coaches I've had the most long term was Rich Litvin, uh, who wrote a fantastic book called The Prosperous Coach along with Steve Chandler, which I highly recommend. That really greatly informed my whole approach towards my, the business side of my coaching and my attitude towards serving, um, instead of pleasing. Um, and, I've since switched my focus from more of a business coaching to more personal work and working with a spiritual teacher, um, relationship coach named John Wineland um, in, here in Santa Monica, California. And I'm interested in doing learning more about coaching from the body, from the inside out, getting more in touch with my body, more in touch with my intuition. And, um, and those are kind of the main coaches, but I've done lots of different trainings and the, um, one-off courses here and there and read loads and loads of stuff as well. I'm um, I don't. i I'm in between coaches at the moment, but um, uh, I have lots of support around me, and, and now I'll be having coaching again soon, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. So what it sounds like is as you go through different phases of your life, there are different coaches or coaching styles mm-hmm. that may serve you. And so just because you're working with someone for one year or so or however long, um, you may need to transition. Is that true?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As yeah. my, as my, uh, uh what I'm working on changes, what I'm focused on changes, as my approach changes, as a relationship just comes to its natural conclusion, and not because my outcomes are different, but because that relationship has just run its course, um, all sorts of reasons to, to shift. Now I've had multiple coaches at the same time before working on different areas of my life. I know Noam is fantastic about it. Sometimes I think he has like over a dozen coaches. teams seems that he's, you know, really artful at picking different aspects of things and bringing different experts in to support him with it. And, uh, So I'll take a note out of his book there,
1: and yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, thank you for all this, both of you. Now let's get ready for our final break. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with co-host Noam Kastuki and our guest, leadership coach and speaker, J.P. Morgan, and they have just been giving us a wonderful introduction to the coaching process, both from the coaching perspective and the coachee perspective. So we will see you in a few with our final segment and more great stuff.
4: Out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter? You can find us at Voice America TRN. Introducing the Abundance Cubed coaching program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So, host Sandra Maholtra and creator of masterpieces, Noam Kostuki, are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You, too, can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion.
0: GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with co-host Noam Kastuki and our guest, leadership coach and speaker, J.P. Morgan. And they've both given us such a wonderful introduction to the field of coaching and even what it's like being coached, something that sounds extremely valuable no matter what your walk of life is. So, JP, I'd like to close out by discussing the 10 part blog series that you posted on your website, jpmorganjr.com, called How to Be a Powerful Coach. And you cover so many interesting topics like love, the power of nothing feeling, and that's just to name a few. There are seven more. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> before we discuss them in detail, let me ask, what compelled you to write this? Because clearly that was a fair amount of work that you put into these 10 detailed blogs.
2: Yeah, uh, what compelled me is um, just as part of my business is to share. As <clears throat> an iteration, right? Like I explore, I connect with people, I create in conversation with them new ways of seeing and being, and then Um, it's not just they go off with that insight and then that insight goes off with them alone. I I hold it in a notebook um, in my mind and and then I document it in some way. I create an article or a video and I put that out into the world and and that's what leads me to connect with new people so that I can continue to have those conversations with more people. So it's uh, kind of a symbiotic process. So these ideas were ideas that have been ruminating in my mind from conversations I had with coaches and at the beginning of filling my next apprentice group. And I thought, well, let me share these things and I'll connect with new people and and we'll have more conversations and I'll create more things. And so, yeah, it was just part of that process, really.
1: Yeah, it's really a great series, I'd say, for anyone who's in the coaching profession to read your perspective on all these things. But even just generally speaking, uh, it's just an interesting way of looking at situations regardless of what you're doing for a living. So... Mm -hmm. One of them that I liked in particular was blog number 10, which is about love. And Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about love on this show because a lot of things come back to self-love as far as healing, Mm -hmm. uh, mind, body, and spirit. So it's a very powerful force. And so I'd like to ask, what part does love play in your coaching in particular?
2: Yeah, I love that you picked this one because it's my favorite as well, Um... And it's the theme of a book that I'm writing right now, an allegorical novel, um, to, to kind of share the concept in this, which is the part about it that, that I love the most, which you just asked. And that is that coaching is love making. And what I mean by that is I, I just use love making as an analogy, but I also literalize it in the sense that all I'm doing with people is I'm having a dialogue. And that dialogue is a merging of two human beings mimetically. Um, memes being parts of information ideas, right? And that memetic merging, similar to genetic merging, is a procreation. The result of our ideas and our perspectives and our conversation is some new way of being, a new way of seeing that's born. And then that person going out to the world and being in action with that new way of seeing and being brings new things into form. All the buildings and the products and everything and services in the whole world are um, the result that our actions, the result of actions and behaviors of human beings, um, with the intention from an idea, from a meme, and yeah. so dialogue is mimetic procreation, and and my attitude towards it is to do it in the way that feels most loving, uh, mm-hmm. most from the heart, um, because that's what creates what's most beautiful, and um, so my compass is really what. W- where is love? Where is the love in this? What would I love? What would be most loving? And and to move towards that in every moment.
1: Wow. That's really beautiful. So, Noam, I'd like Thank to you. ask you as well. Yeah. What part does love play in your coaching?
3: Um, I think the, the best way to look at it for me is to really think about what love plays in a bigger sense. because. When I dropped out of university, I had made a very clear decision that I wanted a life that I love and and not work for a living. I wanted that life that I love to be my work. And so in my coaching, it's there everywhere. Um, I have conversations with people because I love having conversations and seeing people create cool stuff. Um... Uh, the clients I work with, I all love them. I all love them in one way or another. I love what they do. It gets me excited. Um, and in the same way, I think that all my clients love me in one way or another because otherwise nobody would be mad enough to, 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 to do the kind of work that we do. Mm. Um, and I always focus my clients on what it is that they love doing. So I look at love as a good guide. I find love to be a great guide and a great signpost.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting because what I, what I'm kind of hearing here from both of you, especially when it comes to closing the gap, is overcoming some of the, I'll just call them lower energy emotions like fear, uh, maybe worry, things like that, and getting to the higher level of things like love, doing what you love, uh, mm. creating more love in the world. And so I think it's really beautiful that both of you approach your work from that perspective as well, as coming from a place of love.
3: I would because, put a, a yeah. little twist to this.
1: Go ahead, for, twist away. For, for me, and I
3: don't know John will say but but uh, I, <laughs> I, I love fear. Fear is a big part of my work. And destruction also. Um, and that was told to me actually by the guy who became my art coach. Because when he told me that, I was like, You're insane. Um, There's nothing to do with that in my life. But the truth is that I love fear because I think that just like love is a great signpost, I think fear is an amazing signpost. And I find that when people start to love their fears, um that's when it's easiest to overcome them and to grow with them and to actually use them as part of of what we do and i think that every emotion is exciting if you learn to love them that's the biggest thing for me at least in this year has been learning to really love every emotion um without discrimination
1: ah okay john i'll give you the last word what do you have to say
2: so I like that perspective. I mean, I always talk about how fear is an important signpost because it shows us that we're acting in self-interest um, and then it can help us to kind of get out of our own way and just serve and connect. Um, but I like what Noam's saying, even on more of a direct level and just loving the emotion of fear. It's reminding me of one of my commitments right now with my wife is We have a new baby. We have 11-week-old. And so there's a lot of tension and frustration, as you can imagine, (laughs) in the house. And um, my commitment right now, my focus is on feeling through her anger and frustration when she's short with me because she hasn't slept in like five days, um, uh, to what it is that she's afraid of, like what is is her pain. Um, And the reason I want to do that is because my commitment to her in our marriage is to lead her in her life by following the deep, deepest desires of her heart and soul. And and on the other side of fear is love. And so but you only get to know that love, and I only get to know her desires if I'm willing to, to be with her fear. Um, and when I just get caught up in her anger and I'm not there, I don't have any access to it. But I, I think what Norma's saying will help me in that sense to just learn to fall in love with her fear, which I experience as my own fear, of course. If I can love my fear and frustration when she's frustrated, I can love her fear, and then I'll get to know that know, through it to what she really wants and really really desires, and um, we can create something more beautiful, so.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. Well, thank you both so much today. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I learned so much. I love that. So I'm sure that other people did, too. So thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thank you, Sandra. You're welcome.
1: And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Next week, we have installment six of our Abundance Cubed Group Coaching Program for Wellness Entrepreneurs. No, we'll discuss the group coaching session with our five entrepreneurs on the topic of pricing and packaging products and services. This is something every entrepreneur must consider carefully, and there are better ways to go about it to position yourself in the marketplace and increase profits. So hope you can join us. Thank you again for stopping by today, everyone. Namaste.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit.